This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, what's good? Welcome to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. My name is Blair Angulo. In a quick moment, we'll be joined by Charles Power. He's a national analyst for 24-7 Sports. We will break down what happened earlier this week, including a couple big commitments, one from Alabama flipping a quarterback that had been committed to Texas, and Ohio State dipping into the 2022 class. If you're new here, please hit that subscribe button. Please rate us. Please review us if you leave a five-star Apple podcast review with your recruiting question. You've got a chance to get it answered by our team of analysts at 24-7 Sports. We are aiming to have a mailbag episode next week, so make sure you have your questions in. Before we get to Charles, let's begin with the kickoff. In case you missed it, 24-7 Sports released its initial top 100 rankings for the 2023 class. We are introducing the top 100 prospects in the 2023 class. You can catch all the content over at 24-7 Sports, including a profile by 24-7 Sports Director of Recruiting Steve Wilfong on Arch Manning, the number one quarterback in the class. Recruiting analyst Gabe Brooks took a look at the superlatives in the 2023 class, including the race for number one at quarterback, which includes Arch Manning, the player with the most upside, the player with the most versatility, and so much more. And Steve Wilfong also had a close look at LT Overton, the number one overall prospect in the 2023 class. So while high school football kicks off in different parts of the country for this 2020 season and recruits in both the 2021 class and the 2022 class start to build attention, garner more looks, and continue to assemble their highlight films, you can start to familiarize yourself with some of the 2023 prospects from across the country, and you can do that over at 24-7 Sports. And on that topic of the 2023 rankings, let's bring in national analyst Charles Power. He joins the show to break down the process and and what it's like right now, given the the circumstances, given uh, the fact that we only have freshman film to to go off of. Uh, Charles, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Blair. How about you? Not too bad. Uh, you know, we let's get into the the 2023 rankings. The the top guy, the the number one prospect in the rankings, Labius Overton. He's a a big time edge rusher. And we were talking before we hit record that you know just seeing some of the practice clips that that we've seen and 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 some of the the film that's out there. He he just looks super explosive. And when you're looking at 2023, when you're looking at freshman film. Uh, when you 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 kind of visualize what these players could be in, in two or three years, he's probably as close to a, a no doubter as there was in this 2023 group. Yeah, I, I think that's you know kind of the challenge of of putting this together. Um, you know, anytime you put together the first ranking, it's probably one of the more daunting exercises because you're um, you don't really have anything to work off of, right? Like you're, you're starting from scratch with, with a lot of these evaluations and there's not a ton to go off of. So part of our, 
um, directive and kind of what we were trying to do was find the prospects that we really felt like were both kind of, you kind of balance having the highest upside and um, also maybe like the highest floor as well. And ones that we have as, as the least amount of questions about everybody's gonna have questions. I mean, we're talking about rising sophomores, right? But um, yeah, uh, Lebius Overton was one who really kind of checked a lot of the boxes um, for us just kind of going through. Um, he had really good freshman video playing at, at Bessemer Academy in Alabama. Not great competition, but it was really kind of like a little like a kind of a dominant edge player um, there. And then transferred to Milton, which is one of the bigger high school programs kind of in, in Metro Atlanta, uh, in, in Cobb County, I believe, uh, up there and, uh, and play, played like, like for one of the top basketball teams in the state was like a starter, I, I believe in, uh, average a double, double. Then we kind of got some, you know, testing numbers on him kind of once camps have started to get back going a little bit. We actually have more athletic testing information, I think, than we probably anticipated at uh, this time, maybe a month or so ago. And he was, you know, six three, six four, around two hundred forty five pounds. Runs a sub five second forty, um, and, and then Rusty Mansell uh, for twenty four seven Sports was able to go out and, and see him practice and kind of check that check that box as well. So it really, uh, there's really not a ton of questions uh, for, for Levius, um, maybe relative to, to several others that we were looking at. So um, you know, just like kind of like what you're saying, Blair, just the the, the, the twitchiness and then kind of the complete profile, I think was what was what kind of did it for us. And I, and I think when you factor in his position, right, being a, a strong side defensive end, uh, an edge rusher, a guy that can put pressure on the quarterback uh, to the outside, I think that also gives him a bit more, you know, stock. It raises, I think, the, the level of how we view him and his value, what it could right. be at the next level and beyond. And I think that's a factor. Number two in the rankings is P- Peter Peter Woods from the state of Alabama. He's also a, a strong side defensive end. When you look at both of them, uh, I know obviously from a physicality standpoint, um, I think they're they're pretty similar, right? They're both about 6'4", 250. Um, wh- what do you like about Peter Woods? What makes him the the number two guy kind of clawing at the feet of uh, Labius Overton? Well, one thing Peter Woods has probably over maybe the majority of the of kind of the defensive line group and really I probably should say Blair when we were going through this we kind of go position by position um kind of over the course of a month and 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 kind of we kind of split them up and kind of dove as deep as we could into each position and I thought the defensive line and edge group was was the deepest um position among the 20 the 2023 cycle so uh and, and and one thing that I think Peter Woods does to separate himself from that group is he plays you know, at the high, at the high in the highest classification in the state of Alabama on the state, the team that won the state championship. And he had probably about as good a production as you would expect from a freshman. He had 15 tackles for loss, which is, that's a, that's a great season for, you know, a, a top prospect as a, as a junior. Um, maybe even like, that's a good, a good season for like a top 100 senior type of defensive lineman. Right. Um, so he had 15 tackles for loss, uh, and, and, and seven sacks on a state title team in a high class. So that's, Right there, that that production is hard to ignore. And then you flip on the video, and he kind of plays like a grown man. Like he is um, very advanced physically. I think he's there's not a lot of like a like a bus factor with him. Like he's already very good. Um, you don't have to really, 
you know, look into the crystal ball and try to project like exactly what he's going to look like in several years. Um, if, even if he doesn't really grow much more, but I, I do think maybe one difference between him and Overton is I do, I do think Woods is probably, uh, has a greater shot of kind of becoming an inside, uh, player, uh, an interior guy, kind of a defensive tackle. Um, depending on maybe what kind of front he plays in in college, he can maybe he, I'm sure he could play probably play big defensive end. But I think he's more of a true defensive lineman. Where Overton, you would maybe consider as more of an edge at, at, at this point. And Alabama right now has the lone crystal ball vote for Peter Woods, an in-state prospect. I know Auburn's up there for him. Florida, Florida State, Ole Miss, uh, a number of SEC programs are going to be. Hot, hot in pursuit of his signature. We are tra- joined by Charles Power. He's a national analyst for 24-7 Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Charles Power. So after Overton and after Woods in the 2023 Top 100, we've got James Smith. He's a defensive tackle, also from the state of Alabama. Offensive tackle Francis Maui Goa. Uh, he's from the state of California. And at number five, this one, this one's the big hit. This is the quarterback. This is the the legacy he goes by the name of Arch Manning. He's from New Orleans, Louisiana. He's the number one quarterback in the 2023 class. Steve Wilfong had a, a really good piece talking to his high school coach and, and breaking that down. And you can read that over at 24-7 Sports. Um, and, and so, th- you know, this is the beginning, right, Charles? With right. With, a, with a Manning, he plays quarterback. Uh, he's got all the hype. He's got all the buzz. Uh, and he checks in at number five, which is pretty high considering – you know, the, the fact that there are a, a lot of other top prospects at that position early on. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I guess for those who aren't aren't familiar, this is the son of Cooper Manning, who's the nephew of, of Peyton and Eli Manning, uh, grandson of, of Archie Manning. So really, he's the I think uh, I, I called him like the, the the scion of the of the Manning family. Right. Like this is kind of football royalty, uh, American sports royalty, kind of. They're really one of the more well-known um, sporting families in the United States. So there's no doubt there's going to be a lot of attention on Arch. And there really was a lot of attention on him, to be honest, going into the season. Once people kind of realized that, you know, this is a thing, he's starting at at, uh, at Newman High School, which is where all the, um, uh, all the Manning brothers played. Um, he had a lot of attention on him during the fall, just from a public interest standpoint, right? Just kind of a, a news perspective. And man, like he, he answered the bell. Like, I think, you know, he, Arch Manning is not ranked as high because his last name is Manning. Let's just be clear about that. He had arguably the best freshman season of any quarterback nationally. I think you can maybe debate him, him and Dante Moore, who we have as, as the third quarterback. Uh, and he's number 12 overall uh, out of uh, Michigan. But Arch had a great, he had a great freshman year, despite kind of having all the eyes on him. You know, he threw for 34 touchdowns and just six interceptions, uh, 2,400 yards. And what really kind of impressed me was, you know, he he throws the ball well, kind of like you would expect. He's mechanically sound, but but he made a lot of plays like with his feet, uh, improvising, just kind of a creative player, uh, and not what you would really think of when you think of like like kind of your Peyton Manning, Eli Manning in structure you know, go through your reads type of quarterback. Uh, he really kind of resembled maybe like the play style of his grandfather a little more. He was kind of definitely a lot more of a scrambler. So it'd be kind of fun to see how his game progresses uh, moving forward. But yeah, I mean, I, I think we, we kind of had to go with him pretty high. Like when we started to put this list together, it was, he was in, it was kind of a, a you know, a little bit of a debate for, for the top quarterback there, um, you know, five and six respectively. And I, I know, 
you know, with, with Malachi Nelson coming in at number six, Blair, that's the guy that, that you've seen uh, up close. Greg Biggins has seen him up close. Steve Wolfong. And just from what I've seen is a very physically talented quarterback. So, so that should be a fun one um, to kind of monitor. Uh, I, I think uh, the quarterback group, it, it's early, but, but looks pretty strong um, for, for, for freshmen. And I was kind of interested in, in, in kind of your take on, on Malik. I haven't see, seen him up close, certainly a lot more than, than me. Yeah, I really liked him at the Elite 11 Regional in Los Angeles earlier this year before the recruiting shutdown and, and the camp scene basically evaporated. He he was uh, he was one of the better quarterbacks there, and he was heading into, obviously, his sophomore year still. He was still a freshman at the time. And, and I think what stood out to me about him was just his demeanor, his composure, uh, just how comfortable, how comfortable he looked uh, going through drills despite being one of the younger prospects and uh you know for the listeners that maybe aren't familiar with the elite 11 process or some of these quarterback camps they separate the the players by by position and by grade and and by uh you know kind of by caliber so they'll put all the top 2021 prospects all in the same group so that you see them throwing and throwing and throwing right after each other. And Malachi, I, I thought, could have hung with all those 2021 guys. You know, the the Jake Garcias, the uh, Miller Mosses, the Ty Thompsons. I mean, the, the throws he was making, he did not look like a freshman out there. And I think that's what really stood out to me. Physically, he reminds me of a, of a young C.J. Stroud. And uh, you know how high we were on him uh, after, you know, what he did at Rancho Cucamonga in the 2020 class and signing with Ohio State and, and just how how much he raised his stock. I think you you see a lot of similarities in the way they're able to put touch on the ball, the pure arm strength, the athleticism. Uh, you talk about a scheme versatile quarterback Malachi Nelson is, is your guy I mean he's going to be able to play from the shotgun if you need him to go under center he can do that uh, you could run a spread I mean he, he's got all the tools and I, I think that's why the quarterback battle between him and Arch Manning is going to be so uh, fascinating to monitor over the next few years and, yeah. and right now you know separated you know basically by one spot at, at five and six yeah no, no doubt and I, I think what you said about Malachi that was that's exactly what kind of what my takeaway was too. Just from from diving into some of the the, the camp videos from this off season, was he was going throw for throw with with top twenty you know twenty twenty one quarterbacks. So I think like if you just compare him to some of those arms in California that you know he might train with or, or see out on the camp circuit, uh, there's in a camp setting there's not a ton of difference. Obviously he's gonna have to translate that to the field but I think more times than not when you have a guy that's that that's that talented you usually see it transfer and um you know he he's having uh Makai Lemon who was our number eight player uh overall transfer in to Los Alamitos so I'm assuming he's going to be throwing to Makai who's kind of a versatile uh kind of two-way player who you know had a pretty good season as, as a receiver as a freshman so that should be you would think that that should be like a pretty dynamic uh, duo out there. Yeah, I think Nelson to Lemon is going to be something that Greg Biggins is going to be calling on on yeah, local Friday for night sure, shows for sure. Yeah, this, this fall and and or uh, next fall and then obviously hopefully in the future. Yeah. Uh, you're listening to the 24/7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. We will, we will be right back to discuss some of the big commitments from over the week. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. We are back on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I am Blair Angulo, joined by Charles Power. He's a national analyst for 24-7 Sports. You can follow him on Twitter, at Charles Power. And Charles, we just broke down some of the big names and some of the, the big rankings in the 2023 class as 24-7 Sports released the top 100. Let's get into some of the big recruiting news that went down over the week. And we had a big one, a big flip that I think – um, you know, maybe uh, caused a, a wave or two here in, in, in the national scene. Um, Jalen Milrow, he's a quarterback that was committed to Texas, and he flipped his commitment to Alabama. Now, you know, this came on the heels of the Longhorns picking up Quinn Ewers in the 2022 class, who's the number one prospect in his class, a local quarterback prospect that, that committed to Texas and, and obviously got all of the national headlines do you think there was any relation there, or was there was there a consequence of Texas getting a yours and maybe affecting Milrow? I I think you would you'd probably be safe in in saying that it had it had some um, some role. Now, just to kind of rewind back on Jalen Milrow's recruitment, so this the the, the recruit. The recruiting cycle for the 2021 quarterbacks was probably, the, I think, the most accelerated, at least that I've ever seen. Um, we had a lot of those top 2021s were committing prior to their to their junior seasons, and um, Jalen Milrow being one. So uh, back when Jalen Milrow's recruitment was really kind of starting to take off, um, you know, last uh, spring summer, he uh, was was really kind of heavily in the mix for, for that Alabama offer, like, or the Alabama, like for Alabama's quarterback spot, um, they ended up landing Drake may who later flipped to, uh, to, to North Carolina. So in, in the immediate aftermath of, of may jumping on the, the Bama offer, Milro went to Texas. So Alabama's always been, you know, heavily in the mix for, for Milro. I, I think at one point it was, they were kind of seen as the leader prior to uh may's commitment so may's decommitment uh which i believe was uh early spring this year kind of opened up the door with alabama you know didn't have a uh didn't have a quarterback commit in this class they had a couple guys they were kicking the tires on um so, so that kind of opened the spot for milrow and then i think you combine that with 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 yours you know you look, look at texas's recruiting or uh, their, their quarterback room i mean it's it's pretty loaded right like they have uh, Hudson Card and Quinn and Jackson, two top 100 uh, true freshmen in, in in the 20 in the tw- in the 2020 cycle, um, and and then bringing in Ewers, the number one player in the country in 2022. Yeah, so uh, he would have been sandwiched in between yeah, right, the, those right, three, right? So in in one of them being a a, a two quarterback class. So 
Uh, I, I think it you'd be naive to think that that didn't play a role in, in this, but but Alabama was a school that that he really liked early on originally. So so I think the stars kind of aligned on on both sides for Alabama in that in that perspective. And and really, you know, you talk about Alabama like for Alabama, this is this is huge because it's I mean on that same topic, it's tough to sign a top quarterback after you land an elite, like five-star type, like, like Bryce young. Uh, so for, for Alabama to come back with, with Jalen Milrow, who I think we have as number one one overall, he's number 83 in the composite. I mean, that's, that's a pretty big uh, get for, for the Crimson Tide, especially relative to the expectations of, of someone coming in the cycle after Bryce young. So I think that speaks volumes to kind of Alabama's, sales pitch and recruiting job and staying with Milrow the whole time. Um, and, and I think, you know, you can never have enough good quarterbacks. It, it's a, it's a balancing act from a roster management standpoint. So landing him, um, I think is pretty big for pretty big for them. And I, I've, I've seen Milrow twice in person, uh, saw him, uh, at the Houston opening regional, last spring and his recruitment really hadn't popped off yet. And I actually talked to him for a little afterwards and I was like, Hey, like, you know, don't worry about it. Like you're, you're going to get some offers here pretty soon. If you, you know, play like you did today and, and it really kind of took off for him, um, had a really good junior year, uh, definitely got more efficient as a passer and, and a guy who didn't really have like a ton of like easy throws in his offense. Like it was a lot of downfield stuff. And I think he's still got some, some, some meat on the bone, uh, for, for improvement and can continue to, to, you know, become more of a run threat he's really athletic kind of a dual threat type really if you're going to compare him to a, a recent Alabama quarterback he probably would remind you a little bit of Jalen Hurts just from his his build and athleticism uh profile so uh so yeah I, I think that's definitely a, a commitment that uh you know is Alabama is worth you know getting excited over those are some funny conversations to have sometimes with recruits at, at certain events yeah. or at camps. Uh, I remember uh, dating back to the 2021 class, Maliki Matavau, a four-star tight end committed to Oregon from Liberty High School in Nevada. Uh, I saw him play against IMG Academy, uh, and this was uh, early in his sophomore season. So I think game one or game two of his sophomore year, I, I went up to him after the game, you know, had no offers. Uh, and he's like, oh, how do I get more attention? Like, how, you know, what, how do I get this? you know more more recruiting buzz like how, how do I get my name out there I'm like dude you're you're six six like 240 yeah. you can run downfield and make catch and you just had a really good game against IMG Academy I think you will be fine um, yeah it'll happen it, it's, yeah it's always it's always funny to kind of think back about stuff like that um I mentioned it with Malachi Nelson being scheme versatile as a quarterback. Um, I, I know Steve Sarkeesian has been scheme versatile as an offensive coordinator and even as a head coach when he when he had those reins. But um, with Milrow, what do you think that pairing could be like? Is there certain things that you like about Milrow's, Milrow's game that maybe fits what what Steve Sarkeesian likes to do offensively or maybe maybe a dimension that he could add to Steve Sarkeesian's play sheet? Yeah, I, I think I think he fits their offense pretty well. You know, he he really threw the ball more as, as a junior. Um, he was really kind of like a part-time starter as, as a sophomore and made, made a, a pretty good jump as a passer as a junior. And I, I would expect him to just keep on improving on that front. Um, he's very accurate, very efficient. I mean, Alabama is known for for running an efficient offense. I think he could be, you know, could function well in their RPO game. Because and I one thing I think that he probably brings to the table maybe more so than like a Tua or Bryce Young, who those guys are just really 
surgical playmakers uh, at, at quarterback, and they're going to win with their quick release and, and their reads and just overall kind of creativity. I, I think Milrow kind of brings probably a more legitimate power run threat, but more of a, 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 of a between the tackles threat, uh, which could, you know, kind of draw, you know, some, some defensive attention in, in the RPO game. So, uh, and I, I think too, if you're looking for a guy who, if you're looking for a guy who could maybe be like a early contributor in like packages or, you know, if, if he's gets pressed into action, I think having gets pressed into action early in his career, I, I think having that, um, kind of equalizer as a between the tackles power runner definitely kind of helps you settle in a little a little better um, as a young player so I, I think that's I think it fits their offense well but he probably brings a little bit of a different skills at the table um, with that that added run dimension we're joined by Charles Power he's a national analyst for 24-7 sports you could follow him on Twitter at Charles Power Charles before we go the other big commitment of the week came to Ohio State via the way of Kansas. Uh, Dasan McCullough, he's a 6'5", 220 athlete, uh, a four-star prospect, the the number 87 overall player in the 2022 class, and he's a top 50 player in the composite. Uh, I, I know Ohio State obviously has the lead right now. They're number one in the 2021 group, and they continue to get the, the ball rolling on 2022. I mean, it hasn't stopped them. It hasn't prevented them. And given the fact that the Big Ten has now pushed football back or at least postponed it to, to next year, uh, you would have to think that Ohio State will have to fend off a, a a lot of the other conferences, a lot of the other programs that might be uh, recruiting against them. But, you know, if they're getting guys like McCullough, it doesn't seem like they're going to slow down by, by any means. Yeah, he's, he's heavily recruited. I mean, he had a ton of offers. Um, a guy who's kind of been on the radar for, for, for a while. His, his brother, he actually has a brother, Dai McCullough, who is in our previously mentioned 2023 Top 100. And their, their, their father, Dylan McCullough, is the, the running backs coach for – um, the Kansas City Chiefs was previously at, at at USC. I'm sure you probably remember him from out there, his stand out there, Blair. Um, a really really good running backs coach, but um, but yeah, Desan. I, I think the first thing with him is, I mean, this is this is a huge defensive back uh, to, to the point where <clears throat> to the point where I, I I'm not sure, you know, you can really long term project him being a DB. I mean, he's he's six five two twenty. Uh, I think he he measured at, at very close to that at a recent at a recent camp. So um, you know I, I think the inclination there has maybe been to compare him to like a Isaiah Simmons type, who uh, you know was a began as a safety and ended up becoming a linebacker. I mean, Desan McCullough is bigger than Isaiah Simmons was at, at the same stage. So it's going to be really interesting to kind of see where he ends up like size wise. But he's a very he's a versatile defensive uh, player. I think he's a guy that you can move around. Just his dimensions, uh, and, and pretty athletic as, as well. Um, just his dimensions and, and, and pedigree. He's going to be a guy who's, you know, going to be developed, uh, you know, kind of uh, on and off the field, and and kind of what he can, you know, possibly become once you get him in a strength and conditioning program. I mean, shoot, I mean, who's to say he doesn't end up being a pass rusher? Like, I, it, it's pretty early. He still has two years to play, so. Um, I'm interested to kind of see where he ends up, but he's a top 100 prospect for us and is definitely a uh, first off the bus guy for sure. And so, so that's a, a, a good gift for Ohio State to go into Kansas and, and get a guy who you know, had offers from you know, most of Ohio State's top competition nationally, like, like your Alabamas, your Clemsons, teams like that. So um, that's a pretty big recruiting win for their, 
for the 2022 class. Yeah, if you're the Buckeyes, you you look at his frame, you look at his measurables, you look at obviously his pedigree and and what he's able to do athletically, and you wonder about his position later, right? Once you right. get him on yeah, campus, sure. once you get him signed, uh, you figure it out later. You want you know you you just want that guy on campus, and then you'll be able to kind of mold him into to whatever you want. Um, Charles, I had four games popped up last week on on Thursday and Friday and just streaming uh, a bunch of Utah high school football what's what's uh what's it like right now in your household as you get ready to to see yeah. some of these high school games and evaluate I mean I had a, a multi laptop setup I was watching four games at once on Friday night I, I couldn't I couldn't get enough yeah I'm I'm, I'm ready for it I, I really need to kind of do some 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 housekeeping on figuring out like who's playing when because it's so fluid i'm you know i'm in the southeast it's so fluid here you know we had north carolina recently push their their um schedule back to the spring Uh, i think alabama and tennessee are are are, you know all systems go georgia i think pushed back a little bit but they're still going to play so i'm still trying to kind of gather like who's playing but as far as i know we're going to have high school football this week like it's so fluid in even in alabama teams like there was a like i think hoover and uh, uh, Phoenix City, uh, Phoenix City Central, which is two of the top teams in the state, agreed to a game yesterday, and they're going to play it on Friday. So they're going to play it probably when you're going to be like listening to this. So that's uh, awesome. Like, that's two like, day. Yeah, that's what you two used to do in the Sandlot, right? You just, right, just yeah. roll up with your bike and exactly. say, "Hey, like meet us at three o'clock." So, so I mean, I'm I'm, I'm ready for it. Um, it's going to be good to see football again, just in in any form for sure. I I was curious, Blair. Like I don't think we've talked about this. Just you know, what, what, did the Utah football like look similar? Like were there people in the stands, or just kind of what was the you know what did it look like from your end? Yeah, on these live streams that I was watching, everything seemed normal except that the capacity was limited. Right, so they they didn't have full stands like there usually would be for maybe a big game or or the season opener. Um, 